Hey everybody, welcome to another Ithaca Bound podcast episode. I'm your host, Andrew Schiestel, joining the show today from Tunisia. And this is the podcast where we explore history and mythology in the Mediterranean basin. Today, Dr. Camille Kureshkowitz joins the show for a conversation about a previous pharaoh of Egypt from the third millennium BCE and the third dynasty named Dozier. So today we're gonna to speak about what scholars know about who Pharaoh Dozier was and his associated pyramid. Dr. Kureshkowitz is a Polish Egyptologist. He's professor in the Department of Egyptology within the Faculty of Oriental Studies at the University of Warsaw, based in Poland. He has been involved in many excavations in Egypt over his career, including the Saqqara. And he has written numerous publications, including authoring the book, Saqqara 5, Old Kingdom Structures Between the Step Pyramid Complex and the Dry Moat, which was published by Neratone. And that was part of a series written by members of the Polish Egyptian Archaeologist Mission at Saqqara. And Dr. Kureszkowicz joins the show today from Poland. Welcome to call, Camille. Hello, it's a pleasure to be with you and to talk about things that are fascinating me. Great to connect with you as well, Camille. I look forward to our conversation today. To create sufficient background and context, and then we'll work our way into the details, who was Dozier? Well, he was a king. Uh, a king and uh, much more. Uh, to, to understand who he actually was, uh, one can start with what happened in uh, the area of, of today's Egypt in the third millennium, BC, of course. And uh, it was there that uh, one of the early, earliest civilizations began to, to develop. Uh, out of uh, small um, autonomy uh, uh, state organisms, Towards the end of the uh, fourth millennium, um, developed a unified state. In the 27th century BC, the process, process of unification of uh, the Egyptian state uh, was uh, pretty advanced, and it's the moment when a pharaoh, a king named Mechelifet, raised to power. He uh, inherited a well-developed, almost uh, unified state, which was still developing. It was a huge area, uh, a very complex uh, economy and uh, administrative, uh, administrative organism, which had to be um, somehow finally organized. And this is what Nacherifet did. Uh, his uh, decisions, his uh, ideas of uh, the kingship, of uh, the state religion, and so on, were so important, so uh, impressive, and so enduring that uh, next generation remembered him as a very special figure. And that's why 
he they did not um, use his actual name, Mechanical, but they called him Joseph, which means approximately the same. Okay, uh, and, and and what was um, just the last part there, Camille? What 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 does that what does Joe Joe Joser mean? The sign. The sign. Second one. Okay. Okay. Just to make sure I I uh, heard that. Okay. Okay. Is it is it known? And we're gonna um, thank you for for expanding on on that with the, with an opening response. Camille, and we'll we'll obviously work our way into the details on on some of your comments about the unified unifying the state, etc., um, and why why he um, gained a, an epithet uh, when translated in into English, um, the the sacred one, I believe you I believe you said. Um, is it is it known? Uh, so you mentioned the twenty seventh century. You mentioned the third millennium. Is it specifically or closely known when he was born? And is it known where he was born? No, absolutely. Almost nothing is known about uh, his life, uh, his uh, family. Uh, we we uh, are lacking a lot of details concerning uh, him and his times. But uh, you, you have to remember that it was, we are talking about uh, events that took place uh, almost 5,000 years ago. So uh, the sources that survived from that time are um, very limited to, to say the least. We may suppose that uh, he was uh, a son, uh, one of the uh, children of the previous uh, king, because but we assume that because there is no direct evidence of his parentage. Uh, we don't know even we don't even know how long he reigned. Uh, all we know, almost all, all all we know comes from uh, the place he was finally buried because this place, the, his tomb, was a kind of manifesto uh, presenting his uh, concept of power, of uh, kingship, and, and of the divinity of an Egyptian ruler. So some of the um, items you mentioned there, such as, and I want to and I and I want to I want to have some dialogue around the uni unifying of the state that initial mention that 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 you you made. But some of the things that are known about Dozier are they all um, that evidence? Is that all? Does that all get sourced from his pyramid? Is there other sources that scholars rely on? What are the main sources that scholars rely on to know um, to know things about Dozier? Well, there's uh, a number of mentions of him in later sources, because um, thanks to, to his deeds, he was very well remembered uh, in, in uh, the next years and centuries. So the later sources mention uh, several um, facts, perhaps, uh, um, 
given to his uh, times, to, to his uh, deeds. But uh, the problem is that sources are not direct ones. Uh, you can never be completely sure that you can uh, rely on them. Was his tomb and or mummified body ever found? I think you mentioned tomb, but I'll still ask the, I'll ask the question. Was his, his tomb and or mummified body ever found? Uh, yes, in a sense. Some parts of uh, the mummified body, uh, it was a foot and uh, part of uh, an arm, uh, were found uh, in uh, a granite chamber situated under the step pyramid in Sakhar. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the fragments of uh, the mummy are lost. They were found uh, on the turn of uh, the twentieth um, century, and uh, well, um, at the moment nobody knows where they if they if they still exist. What's not? So, yeah. he, his tomb was uh, situated uh, in the desert or on the edge of the desert on a high. Uh, Plateau, uh, which was over overlooking the most important city in Egypt at that time, the city called Memphis, which was the royal residence and the administrative center of uh, the of, of Egypt, uh, and it remained. Uh, it, it retained all those functions. Uh, almost three millennia. So his tomb was situated next to the most important city of Egypt. Okay. And um, by me asking about his tomb and mummified body, it, 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 we're, we're naturally segueing into, his, into his, his, the pyramid. And uh, I certainly want to get there and we'll spend some good details, but I, I want to go back. Um, I want to go back to the comment I made and ma make sure I ask this question before we get into the um, into more about the pyramid and uh, and, and more about his tomb, etc. So, so if if he was associated with, I believe you use the term unified state or unifying um, the state or, or a term like that in your opening response. Um, can you speak a little bit more about that? What do scholars know about what the geopolitical environment was like in Egypt prior to Djoser's reign? And then what what occurred and what was um, the geopolitical environment um, as, a, as a result of his reign? Yes, it, it's a fascinating process, uh, which we can... Uh observe based on uh, the, the uh, plethora of uh, sources. Uh, before the third millennium BC, in the Nile Valley, uh, along the river um, north of uh, today's Aswan, there was a number of small independent or semi-independent uh, political organisms uh, which gradually um, 
joined together, uh, eventually formed a few, two or three state organs. And on the, uh, well, this course, I'm still uh, discussing the exact dates and the probably never will be possible to, to establish them the exact date. Mm. But uh, on the 10 of the uh, 4th and uh, 3rd Millennium BC, all those uh, proto-states, so-called, were unified under a single ruler. But they remained different in uh, many ways. They had uh, the, the um, parts of the state, the, the settlements had different traditions, different uh, administration, uh, different cults uh, connected to them. So they functioned under a, a single rule, but at the same time, remain very different in, uh, in uh, many respects. Mm. You, you can uh, imagine, I, I suppose, that uh, governing such a, um, a variegated organism would be difficult. So the state had to be unified, not only in the political sense, but also the administration and also the religion had to be brought to some kind of, uh, well, of unity. And this is what Joseph did. He unified, he, he uh, invented, he or his uh, advisors, uh, of course, we, we can't know, uh, we can't know this, uh, but he invented uh, a concept of kingship that was uh, effective and acceptable and moreover profitable for all uh, the population of uh, Egypt at that time. And this concept, this basic concept of kingship, and uh, one has to remember that in ancient Egypt, the concept of kingship was closely, very closely, uh, was, it was inseparable from religion, and administration. It was a single complex mechanism. And the, the basis of uh, the mechanism was created by Joseph. Do scholars get a sense of approximately how many individual states in this region would have existed at the given time and um, or, or some sense, if we're talking dozens or hundreds, um, some, some kind of sense. And um, 
are are they would they have been akin to city states? Yes, in a sense, uh, at least some of them uh, can be compared to city states. Uh, certainly, the uh, largest and uh, the the most uh, the wealthiest ones. Uh, around them, they were there were smaller settlements um, dependent on them, and uh, uh, well, it, it can be said that uh, there was uh, well uh, about a dozen of uh, such city states with their dependencies. What do you infer, uh, if, if it's known, if not, what, what do you infer was the main motivation? You mentioned things like religion and administration. Do you have any notion of what the main motivation would have been for all these states to agree to un well, I, unify? I suppose it, it was a pragmatic decision. Uh, when you think about Egypt, you, if you imagine Egypt seen from above, you will see the river running south-north and the uh, cultivated areas on both parts. But the areas are quite narrow, so uh, they can support a limited number of people. They uh, need to be um, watered, uh, for the crops to 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 be uh, well grown and harvested, so the organization of labor, the uh, the uh, mm, network of uh, water channels, uh, the workforce, the organization of workforce. Uh, necessary for uh, field work. Uh, all these things uh, have to be well organized if they are going to, if they are uh, intended to work. So uh, the uh, when the population grows. Uh, the organization of uh, uh, the uh, of work has to be more precise and more effective. Uh, when uh, you join your efforts with uh, your neighbor, you will be more effective. And this is the main thought behind the unification, uh, the eventual unification of education. Do scholars believe this is the first time in history in Egypt that the state was unified? And did the concept of Upper and Lower Egypt exist during Djoser's reign? Uh, well, if it's, uh, I, I'm not sure what you mean by the first time. First time in Egypt or first time in the world? In, in Egypt specifically. Yes. 
it was definitely the first time when uh, when the country was uh, unified. Uh, and uh, the concept of uh, upper and lower digit uh, remained in force until the very end of uh, the Pyramid civilization. Uh, but this division, in, uh, division of, of uh, the country into two parts uh, was, uh, first of all, the symbolic one, and the Egyptian kings uh, were always uh, seen as rulers of upper and lower. The, this duality, the, the, along with uh, a, a number of other dualities, in the Egyptian thinking, uh, a unity of two different parts was uh, a, a very important and very strong concept. And this concerns also the, the country as such. Uh, but uh, in recent years, the more we know of, uh, of, uh, on uh, the earliest history of, of Egypt, the picture uh, of uh, the events uh, that resulted in the unification of uh, the country becomes more and more complicated. But we still do not understand it fully. Okay, so, uh, so it's thought that Upper and Lower Egypt existed probably more sim symbolic during this period of time and that Djoser would have been a sovereign over both of those territories. Yes, definitely. Okay. If someone goes to Egypt today to the pyramid, can you speak about it? Does it exist? And what would they see if they went there? Uh, well, when we speak about pyramids, uh, first of all, you have to ask uh, which ones, because there's uh, over a hundred of pyramids in Egypt. There are, of course, there, there are the, the great pyramids uh, in Giza, the, the three tombs of uh, rulers of the fourth dynasty. Uh, but the, the uh, most important site where pyramids are found is Saqqara. Mm, located, situated to the south of Giza, it's uh, around 30 kilometers, kilometers uh, south from uh, Giza and Cairo. And uh, the, the main necropolis of Memphis, of uh, the, so to say, capital city of ancient Egypt. But uh, in contrast, to, to what you can see in uh, Giza, where the pyramids are huge, impressive, and uh, very clearly visible, the majority of pyramids uh, are now in ruins. Uh, sometimes it's uh, very hard to recognize uh, a pyramid in, in uh, the, the shape of a pyramid in a heap of stones. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, the internal uh, rooms and corridors are uh, a firm evidence 
that uh, we are looking at something that was appearing. Uh, on the other hand, the first of all pyramids uh, exists until today. And it, it is found in Saqqara too. Uh, however, its shape is uh, quite different from uh, how we imagine a pyramid today. Because it has no triangular sides. Uh, it's a step, uh, a so-called step pyramid, um, consisting of six, uh, six mastabas put one upon another. And so that that pyramid today, that step pyramid that you described there, Camille. Is that is that uh, is that a pyramid that is available and open to the public today, or is it not not uh, open to the public? Yes, it's uh, available. It's open. You can uh, visit it. You, you can uh, see it outside, but also from inside, which is truly impressive. Okay. What what about this pyramid? provided the evidence that scholars are confident is associated to Djoser. And I guess using the term associated, um, I should, I should um, probably expand on that term as well. Is it that his tomb was found at, at one point uh, in, in the pyramid or is there, and or is there sufficient inscriptions about him in the, the pyramid? So it's almost monumental? Uh, yes and yes. I mean, under the pyramid, there is a, actually there is a labyrinth of uh, corridors and, and rooms, but the most uh, important, the central point, uh, is a burial chamber prepared for, for the king. And around this burial chamber, there are uh, special rooms that uh, are today thought to represent uh, part of the netherworld. Rooms, uh, uh, the walls of which are decorated with faience, uh, blue faience tiles, and also uh, on the walls there are six stele carved in the uh, stone, in carved in stone. Uh, which depict and describe a king, a king named Necherika. So there is no doubt uh, that uh, this place belongs to, to the king whom uh, his contemporaries knew as Hor Necherika and we today know as King Joseph. Is that pyramid believed to have been looted prior to professional excavations occurring in more modern times? Unfortunately, yes. All pyramids uh, were uh, loaded at, at some point. Uh, but this one was not only looted, uh, but uh, 
slightly later times, it was also visited and uh, marvel uh, because uh, already in pharaonic times in the new kingdom which is the, the uh, middle um, second millennium bc uh, persons who we may call today tourists visited Saqqara and specifically they visited the pyramid of Jodhpur. And uh, uh, the same place remained a, a tourist destination in a sense, also in later, uh, later times, uh, apparently until the end of the pharaonic period, but also even later uh, in Middle Ages, when uh, Arab historians mention uh, very specific rooms under the pyramid. So they must have visited them. At this pyramid in with modern excavations, can you summarize what the corpus of uh, findings have have been with the pyramid? Huh. It's not possible to summarize it. Mm. Because uh, uh, first of all, uh, the pyramid is a royal form, but uh, one has to remember that the pyramid does not consist the royal form. The, I, I mean, the royal form consists not only of the pyramid. There is also a huge compound around the pyramid itself, which belongs to the, which forms uh, the royal form together together with the pyramid and in the case of uh, the step pyramid of joseph this compound is uh, particularly large and complex it contains a number of dozens actually uh, buildings corridors courtyards um, and other architectural elements, frankly uh, speaking, uh, we are not completely sure how to interpret uh, some of them. But all these uh, structures uh, were intended to create an environment, environment for a king to remain a king and a god eternal. Moreover, the tomb of Joseph, the tomb of Mechelichet, uh, consists of not only these structures uh, that are uh, built above ground, but also there is a uh, complex network of uh, rooms and spaces underground. Frankly, we don't understand the whole meaning of, uh, of this set of structures. Uh, we are trying to understand them. Uh, I hope we finally um, 
may be close to understanding, but not yet. Can you describe what the royal tomb is or was? Can you can you describe describe it? Yes, sure. When you come closer to to the cemetery, to the necropolis, uh, first you see the first thing you see is a huge enclosure built of uh, white limestone, uh, contained within a wall measuring um, almost three hundred by over 500 meters, uh, rectangular in plan. Uh, so you have the rectangle in the middle of which, approximately in the middle of which, stands the pyramid. And inside this uh, rectangle, which is entered um, from the east, uh, close to, to the southern end of the east wall, uh, you find a model of uh, Egypt with its uh, uh, numerous cult centers, uh, probably also uh, administrative uh, units. Uh, so you enter through a kind of a colonnade and going through, through this colonnade, you reach a large courtyard, which was intended for the king to present himself to his subjects. Uh, as I said, in the middle there is a pyramid, on the northern side of the pyramid, there was a temple where offerings for the king were made after his death, and which contained also the entrance to the underground rooms under the pyramid. The entrance was used once during the royal funeral, and afterwards, uh, afterwards, um, um, finally closed. So it was not visible when uh, the funeral the complex function. Uh, but when you enter um, the underground rooms, uh, you are going um, approximately over 20 meters um, downwards reaching a huge shaft, huge vertical shaft um, located uh, under the center of the pyramid. On the very bottom of uh, the shaft, there is uh, the burial chamber, which uh, I mentioned before. The burial chamber constructed of uh, granite blocks, and it was there the, the um, royal body was uh, placed. 
around this burial chamber, run uh, several corridors, including those leading to the so-called blue chambers, uh, which also, which I also mentioned before, uh, the chambers uh, with walls decorated with uh, fires. The the pyramid is it um, is it thought that any administration occurred within it within it within it um, its proper proper territory um, for people living obviously or is it believed that it was strictly used for um, uh, for burial and uh, sacred type purposes. Well, the pyramid itself was uh, uh, purely symbolic. It, it was uh, a cultic symbol of uh, the royal presence. But the whole complex, the whole royal tombs, obviously uh, had some kind of administration because it had to work. Uh, its main function was to provide the king with uh, offerings which were necessary for him to live eternal. So to, to uh, prosper in the nether world, uh, the king and also every single Egyptian had to receive daily offerings. So the royal the posthumous royal cult was something that started after the death and uh, in theory uh, should last eternally. In order um, such a cult to function, of course, a um, uh, personal was necessary. Uh, so uh, within the royal within the royal uh, there were um, places to make offerings, to prepare them, to store them. It was a living organism in a sense, and as such, it had to be uh, administered somehow. But unfortunately. How it worked, we don't know. We know how uh, the slightly later royal complex worked. We know it very well because uh, at several of them, uh, the archives were found uh, with uh, documents uh, describing in detail the number of people uh, employed. Uh, at the at the funeral complex, uh, the functions, the salaries, the inventor of uh, the temple. So um, concerning the, the later the, the later uh, royal uh, tombs, uh, we can say much more, and we may assume that it was uh, in a sense. Mm, a senior mechanism also uh, within the funeral complex of the So you have a you have a strong notion that 
people lived on the site at, at the necropolis to provide the sacred type administration that you described there to uh, Dozier's um, tomb and possibly others. Yes, some of them almost certainly lived, uh, perhaps not within uh, the complex itself, but next to it, it seems uh, more, more probable. Uh, but uh, some part, uh, some uh, people related to, to the royal cult lived also in uh, specific form of uh, domains. Uh, the, the, um, how to describe it? It's something obvious for uh, editologists, but, but not necessarily for uh, other people. Uh, every temple had uh, estates connected uh, to it. To estates, uh, the function of which was to provide the temple with uh, food and materials necessary for, for the cult and uh, for the personnel. So part of uh, the people uh, dependent on uh, the royal uh, funerary, funerary complex lived also in such estates, which of course were situated not in the desert but uh, in, in the agricultural land. Some closing questions, Camille, and this has been a very fascinating conversation. The Saqqara 5, so is that a common day term then for the necropolis? that we're speaking about today? Sorry, can you repeat, please? Is Saqqara 5, is that, is that a term to describe the necropolis in which the pyramid, Dozier's no, pyramid? No, definitely not. Uh, it's simply the fifth volume of the series. And the necropolis, uh, which is described in, in this book, uh, it's a cemetery of uh, courtiers uh, established at, uh, the in the vicinity of uh, the step pyramid uh, around three centuries after the death of Joseph. Is uh, the, the cemetery well, it, it has no specific name. It can be termed uh, uh, private cemetery west of the step pyramids. Okay. Um, still doing some closing questions. Were any other tombs found in Dozier's pyramid? In the pyramid? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, also under the pyramids, there is uh, 11 shafts uh, which apparently were prepared for the members of uh, his family. Uh, no other um, human remains were found uh, in those shafts, but uh, their position uh, next to the royal tomb 
and the fact that in several of them uh, very elaborate sarcophagi were found uh, allows us to assume that uh, these were prepared for the royal family and another well, I, I think uh, interesting fact is that for the Joseph, Joseph himself, there were two tombs because uh, according to Egyptian beliefs, a human being consists of several parts, uh, one of them being the physical body and another one, so-called car. Uh, which can be described as uh, immaterial double of a man, uh, a, a being that uh, looks like you, which is uh, to some degree identical with you, but it's invisible, a kind of spirit of soul, or, or soul. And for the royal car, a separate tomb was prepared complete with uh, the burial chamber and uh, the blue chambers, uh, corridors and so on, uh, which is situated in the southern ex extremity of uh, the whole funeral complex. So there are two tombs for Joseph himself and 11 shafts uh, prepared for members of uh, his family. Okay. And as part of this cemetery where Dozier's Pyramid is, are there any other pyramids? Yes, of course. Uh, next to the Joseph's uh, Pyramid, to the Joseph's Pyramid Complex, uh, there are at least two pyramids of uh, later kings, so that of uh, Unas um, and uh, that of Husserkav. Uh, next to the pyramid of Husserkav, there is uh, a, a smaller pyramid of his wife or mother. Slight, slightly farther, there is uh, the pyramid of uh, Teti, uh, and probably pyramid of Mental Hall. Uh, there are several pyramids uh, to the um, farther south. So uh, in Saqqara you can uh, find uh, around a dozen of pyramids of uh, kings and even more pyramids of uh, their wives. Is anything known about Djoser's wife? Unfortunately, no, not. Uh, we know a couple of names, uh, one or more of them may belong to his wife or perhaps to his daughters. Uh, the ladies uh, which were, who, who were uh, depicted together with the king, uh, Unfortunately, we can't uh, uh, be sure whether they were wives or daughters, daughters of 
daughter. And um, apart from names, we know nothing about them. Is anything known about succession after either at the later part of Dozier's life or after his life was complete? Well, Dozier, there was a sequence of um, probably short uh, living kings. Uh, It's an obscure period of Egyptian history. Something went wrong after the death of Joseph. Uh, we don't know what and how. Uh, but there is uh, one more important figure uh, which simply has to be mentioned uh, when uh, talking about Joseph. Uh, and this figure is uh, a certain Hopper who was or was not related to, to the king, but who certainly was the true creator of uh, the Spectrum project. Because was an architect uh, and also a scholar uh, who finally, uh, well, thousands of, thousands of years after his death, uh, but eventually he um, became a god. Closing question, Camille. You expanded on some items about Dozer's life in your first response. Um, and so you might have covered an answer already to this, this question I'm about to ask, but I'm going to ask this question at the end of the episode because it fits well at the end of the episode. How do you think Dozer should best be remembered? I think uh, as the king under whose reign uh, the Egyptians started to build a stone. All those uh, magnificent, impressive temples uh, we can see today in Egypt have been built because it's under Joseph uh, that uh, the Egyptian builders started to use stone as building material. Okay. In under an hour today, Camille, you packed a lot of information in the uh, in the conversation. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and coming on the show. It was a pleasure. Thank you. All right, everybody. So the book that I mentioned at the start of the episode that Professor Kirush Kiewicz wrote, he's author of Sakara 5, Old Kingdom Structures Between the Step Pyramid Complex and the Dry Moat. I'll drop a link to it in the show notes on the IthacaBound.com's associated subpage to this episode. Camille and everybody listening, as always, wishing you a marvelous journey. Bye for now. Thank you. Goodbye. Hey again, if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast and I wish you a bountiful rest of your day. Bye for now.